showing that they paid off three Harvard professors to falsify data and publish fraudulent studies to make it appear as if cholesterol caused heart disease. We were curing uh, autoimmune disorders such as rheumatoid arthritis, ulcerative colitis, uh, Crohn's, even gout. Uh, we were curing this by putting people on a pure red meat and water diet. Another mind-blowing interview with Dr. Anthony Chafee. If you were ever worried about cholesterol, Dr. Chafee explodes the cholesterol myth and explains what actually causes heart disease. Dr. Chafee also proves how the carnivore diet can reverse type 2 diabetes, metabolic disease, and insulin resistance. If you love the interview, tap that subscribe button now without further ado let's get to dr chafee through the last you know 50 years or so we are told to eat fruits and vegetables grains and that kind of thing is good for you where has that come from for those that might not know well there's 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 a long historical record of it but the more more recent is uh, the more recent push and change came from the 1977 USDA declaration that cholesterol caused heart disease. And this was hotly contested for decades. This is, if you look through the medical literature, this was, this was a hotly debated subject. There were tons of, of papers on both sides saying like, look, this is, you know, just, you know, wrong or right or whatever, but it was hotly debated. And then in 1977, the USDA said, no, no, no that's it. It's, this definitely causes heart disease. And, and, and it just shut down the conversation because now teacher had spoken, that's it. And, and no one could, could uh, argue otherwise. And, and the people that were on the opposing side of this were, were now discredited. They, they actually literally destroyed their rep, reputations and, uh, and careers, mm. but they were actually correct. We have hard evidence now showing that 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 the data and the studies suggesting just a correlation and, and correlation is not causation these things were only correlative but they were also fraud they were also fraudulent you know we have hard evidence we have in the actual documents from the sugar companies that were published in the journal of american medical association in 2015 yeah. and and to say sugar was safe and say it was it was joe it's just an empty calorie that's where that that phrase comes from mm -hmm. one of those professors was named head of the usda yeah. and it was he who who pushed and authored and published that 1977 usda declaration but you know he was a paid shill we have we have their own documentation of this we even know how much he got paid he got paid $6,500, which is equivalent to about $50,000 US now. That was mm -hmm. it. That was, that, was, that was the price of his soul and the, and the health of, of the world. Um, there are other professors, like uh, very famous professors, such as Ansel Keys, who came up with recommended daily allowances. He did this during a time when you know people were eating a mixed diet. And you need a different constellation of nutrients based on what you're eating. If you're eating carbohydrates, for example, you'll need more vitamins. You just will. In the context of, car of, a, of a diet where you're eating carbohydrates, you're going to need more vitamins. So all those vitamin markers, like you need at least this much a day sort of thing. Well, actually that, that would be a lot lower. You're not going to get enough vitamin C. You're not going to get you know enough of these other nutrients. But if you're not eating all the other sort of plant-based materials or, or carbohydrates or sugar and so forth, you actually need far, far less. And there, there are reasons for that that we can get into, but mm. um, either way, you know, that was, that was in that context. And so people haven't really done RDAs 
uh, for all the different sorts of combinations of, of foods that you eat, you know, different sorts of things like, you know, tannins, for example, these, these bind proteins, these bind different nutrients in your gut and they, and they stop your body from even absorbing these things at all. You know, carbohydrates block out vitamin C from being absorbed in your gut. And then even when it get, does get into your bloodstream, it, it stops it from actually being utilized properly. So you need you know, much more vitamin C, you know, if you eat carbohydrates. So depending on what you eat, you, you get very, very different results. So he did that. Yeah. So he did the RDAs and which are only, which are only really helpful if you're eating a mixed diet, if you're eating the standard Australian diet, standard American diet, standard Western diet, he definitely was paid off by the sugar companies to vilify cholesterol. One of the studies that he did was called the seven nation study. This was supposed to be this, you know, big conclusive study. They, you know, showed that these seven countries, when they got, had, you know, higher cholesterol levels and higher cholesterol uh, intake, they had more heart disease and it was, it was this exponential curve. It was this parabolic curve. And so that was like, wow, look at that. That's so conclusive. The more cholesterol you have, you know, exponentially more heart disease. Well, he failed to mention that he actually had complete data for 23 countries. And when you plot those on that same graph, it's, it's all over the place. It's just a scatter shot. So there, there isn't even a correlation, even in the original studies, you know, and again, correlation is not causation, but their own studies, when you look at all the data they actually had show that there isn't even a correlation, not even a correlation. Mm -hmm. uh, the Framingham study is another very famous one that is, that is cited all over in cardiology. Um, and this says like, oh, wow, look, this shows that if you increase cholesterol, you actually increase, you know, heart disease and, and, and cardiac related death. That is, that's a lie. You know, their own data actually showed the Framingham study actually reported that as you reduce cholesterol, you actually increase mortality and heart disease. Mm. So it showed the opposite of that. Two years after this was published, the American Heart Association lied. They absolutely fraudulently reported that like, oh, hey, look at the Framingham study. This mm -hmm. showed that increased cholesterol equals increased heart disease mm -hmm. and, and cardiac related death. It was a flat out lie mm -hmm. that people can look up the Framingham study. It mm -hmm. does not say that. It says the opposite, actually. So yeah. we know this now. We have we have looked back and and looked at these studies, and we have the, you know, the the documentation showing that these people were were being paid off. This is, this is hard evidence. Yeah. So if you have if you have an idea based on a false premise, you you have to throw it out and start from scratch, yeah. um, especially because you know we look at the results of this, right? So in 1977, they said uh, cholesterol causes heart disease. People listened. You know, people say now it's like, oh, well, it's just because people don't listen to doctors. That's why they're so sick. No, it's because they did listen. And mm -hmm. that's the problem. The advice was bad. So after 1977, you know, America really, really, really switched gears and other countries started falling like dominoes, you know, in the years and decades after that. Just in America, though, with hundreds of millions of people, um, 
you know, we started shifting over to plant-based because this didn't have cholesterol. So everything with, with fat and cholesterol became bad for you. Everything mm. without cholesterol became good for you. And there were actually candy aisles that had said fat-free candy. Fat-free, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. It's candy. So it's still not going to be good for you. Entomins are like coffee cake. They just had no, no fat in them, but they were just crusted in sugar, you know? And I remember seeing this when I was a kid and my mom's like, oh my God, it's, it's fat-free. And she got like two of them. And I remember thinking, I'm like, well, look, you know, it's just covered in frosting. I was like, look, that may not have fat in it, but there's no way that's good for you. And, you know, I was, I was actually, it's quite interesting now because that, because that was fat free, like in the 70s or 80s. Now we're seeing sugar free. So now it's banning the sugar. So it's, it's all, yeah, it's all like marketing and and, and everything. But anyway, it it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, you know, the sort of the villain of the day. And, you know, gluten is another one. You know, I I just saw it the other day. That said gluten-free yogurt. Like, oh, really? Is it like well, dairy uh, I, free? I, I, yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Like, like dairy, I mean, gluten is is a is a plant product, you know, is this you know, predominantly you know, like you know, uh, you know, like wheat gluten, things like things like that. Like, why would that be in yogurt? You know, yeah. so they just they just put that label on there just because, but oh, it's gluten-free. So you know, they yeah. have that. And an average person that's not in the medical industry or even, so mm-hmm. I've worked in like biotech of, or pharmaceuticals. So I have like a medical background as well and understanding how studies are actually uh, established, who they're funded by, and even to understand marketing labels, nutrient guidelines and where that comes from. Yeah. Well, you know, even, even if they don't, you know, know the history behind this, which is just something that, you know, it is coming out and hopefully will, will become mainstream knowledge very soon. You just have to look at the effects, right? You know, we ended up reducing our fat intake by fat and cholesterol intake by 30%. We, you know, yeah, decreased fat and cholesterol by 30%. We decreased uh, red meat by 33%, right? Because that's like the worst one. It has the most uh, cholesterol and so forth uh, and eggs. And we increased fruits and vegetables by 30 and 40% respectively and increased grains and increased sugar. Okay. Well, what were the results, right? If, if it's just cholesterol in heart disease out, you should see a reduction in heart disease, but in fact, the heart disease rate tripled. Okay. in in a short, in short order. All right. But you know, other diseases increased as well. You know, obesity rate tripled, heart disease tripled, stroke rates tripled, cancer rates tripled, type two diabetes, autoimmune disorders, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, even neurodevelopmental delays, such as autism increased dramatically. I mean, these things almost didn't exist before then. And now they're, they're so common. They're almost the only thing we treat and they all increased at the same time, you know, even autism and, and people blame that on, on various things, but they, they did increase the prevalence did increase at, at the same time, all these other diseases increased as well. And we can actually show causative nature uh, to these diseases, especially like autoimmune is, is very easy to show because we just take, take the diet away. Autoimmune diseases just disappear. They just go away. And we actually have, you know, medical literature for this going back to the 1800s, we were curing uh, autoimmune disorders, such as rheumatoid arthritis, ulcerative colitis, uh, Crohn's, even gout. Uh, we were curing this by putting people on a pure red meat and water diet. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. J.H. Salisbury, for whom the Salisbury steak is named, was doing this. He, he, he was a New York doctor in the 1800s. He did a 30-year research project into the, into the optimal nutrition for human beings, wrote a book called uh, The Relation Between Alimentation and Disease, alimentation being you know, what we digest, on aliment, al- alimentary tract is our digestive tract. Mm-hmm. And so you're just saying that, like, look, the food we eat cause these disease. 
you don't eat these foods, you don't get these diseases. I'm, I'm writing a book, literally arguing the exact same thing. You don't need, need to read my book, read Salisbury's book. It says the same damn thing. You know, like the f- food that you eat causes these diseases because, you know, the so-called chronic diseases that we treat nowadays, I don't think they are diseases. I think that they're toxicities, toxicities of, of toxic buildup of species inappropriate diet and a lack of species specific nutrition. So too many, too many plants, not enough meat, you know? So we're, we're depriving ourselves as well. This is where autism can come from. This is where Alzheimer's and so forth can come from as well, because we're giving our body the wrong fuel. We're not supporting our brain. We're not supporting the development of our brain. Our brain is made out of very long chain fatty acids, 20 and 22 chain fatty acids. These don't exist in plants. They don't exist in fungus. You can only get them from meat. We don't really make them very well ourselves. You have EPA, DH, uh, um, yeah, EPA, DHA, these things, again, only exists in, in, in animal sources yeah. and you need them for your brain. The, the solid component of your brain is 70% fat. Yeah. 20% of that fat is DHA. And you have to get that from your, from your nutrition supply. And it does not come from plants at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're really going to be deficient. Your children are going to be very deficient and their brains aren't going to develop properly. But then when we get even an adult, mature, healthy brain, when deprived from these nutrients will atrophy and shrink and develop Alzheimer's and dementia because you're not maintaining your brain because you're eating a low fat heart healthy diet. And now you can't actually rebuild and maintain your brain. Um, More than that, you get peripheral insulin resistance, right? This is type two diabetes is, but even before you get diabetes, you get some insulin resistance. Like everyone's going to, if you just eat a, a you know, lifelong uh, supply of carbohydrates, you're just going to, and sugar compounds this. It does, the fructose does this uh, to a greater degree than just glucose. Yeah. You get you get insulin resistance to your brain as well. Okay. So now you're not getting energy to your brain. It's slowing down. Again, it starts to atrophy. It starts to shrink down because it's not having energy. It's not having fat. It's not having all these sorts of things that it needs to, to thrive and to, to maintain itself. And so it just starts shrinking, 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 and they have horrific neuro neurodegenerative processes that are absolutely tragic, uh, to watch, uh, someone go through. So are you but saying they don't, that they don't need to happen? So are you saying that perhaps could carnivore, a, a carnivore diet actually cure autoimmune disease or completely reverse mm-hmm. autoimmune disease? So what about dementia yeah, and Alzheimer's? Can you reverse that with carnivore, like a carnivore way to, of eating? To, to an extent, you know, you so at, so at a certain oh. point, there's damage is done and you're not going to really you know, bring somebody back uh, to what they were you know, when they were 25 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with that, you know, insulin resistance to your brain, you're not getting energy because your brain trying to, you know, the glucose can't get in there. Right. But, you know, as I was taught in biochemistry 20 so years ago, glucose isn't actually our, our brain's primary energy source. It's actually ketones. Your brain always runs on ketones, no matter what you're doing, when you're in a hyperglycemic state and a hyperinsulinemic state, well, yes, you're going to have way too much glucose. And so your body is, is forcibly stuffing this in every, every tissue, including your brain. And so your brain runs on glucose, but it's actually not as preferred nutrition source. It's actually not as primary nutrition source. It's actually ketones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you, you're on a carnivore diet, you're not eating uh, carbohydrates and so forth, your insulin drops down lower. Mm-hmm. And now you don't, you, you can actually start 
start mobilizing your fat stores, you start making ketones, you start making blood sugar, liver glycogen, muscle glycogen, and so forth. Whereas before that, you're only running on your blood sugar, mm. right? Because, because insulin suppresses your energy mobilization. In, insulin forces energy into cells. It doesn't allow it to come out of cells. Mm -hmm. And so until that insulin comes down to a low level, now you, you're not able to mobilize your fat stores. This is where people do intermittent fasting or ketogenics, or even just fasting, fasting, because yeah. they're, they're sort of waiting out that clock on insulin and, you know, ketogenic will obviously get you in there as well. But for the fasting people, this just waits out the clock on the insulin and then you, your body starts working normally. Right. So if you're on a carnivore diet or even a ketogenic diet, but a carnivore diet, I would argue is, is better you're, you're not in that state anymore. So now you're making ketones and now your brain gets the energy source it wants. Now it's running on a bunch of ketones and your brain just wakes up mm -hmm. and, and people describe this as sort of, they had this brain fog and all of a sudden that lifts mm -hmm. and they just, they, they think so much clearly, so much more clearly. They, they have such better memory. They sleep so much better. They do much better with, with less sleep and so forth. And there are studies not looking at a carnivore uh, approach, but with a high fat ketogenic diet, in Alzheimer's patients showing that this is a better treatment for Alzheimer's patients than every medication that we've ever trialed for Alzheimer's. Yeah. So, you know, and then there's you know, like Dr. Ben Bickman out of uh, BYU. He uh, is a, is a you know, metabolic scientist and he's, he's showing that, that this is, this is very clearly mechanistic that, you know, when you, you know, as you, you know, Alzheimer's is, is in a lot of circles is actually being called type three diabetes because there are, there are very specific metabolic similarities with, to do with insulin resistance that are very similar to type two diabetes. And so you're getting a disease process because of insulin resistance. And that's why we're saying this is, this is a type three diabetes. And when you go onto a ketogenic or carnivore diet, mm. you just, you just, do an end route right around that. And you just, you just go around the problem mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, you know, somebody's brain has been damaged for probably decades at this point. It, it may not come back, uh, completely. It probably won't, but it's certainly going to improve where they're at and it's going to help prevent it from getting worse, which mm -hmm. is, uh, going to be a huge benefit to people. And, and, and I, you know, it will, it will get better to a certain extent, but it just matters how much damage is done. Okay. And then the other thing, again, I'm thinking of my mom because she asked me this all the time and I have the answer for her, but I want you to elaborate. Mm -hmm. Now, when you just eat meat and no vegetables, where are you getting your fiber from and how do you poop? <laughs> so, so the question you have to ask is why do I want fiber? Do I want why fiber? Do you need is fiber, fiber actually yep. good for you? Yep. Yeah. So, that, so the short answer is you don't. And so I don't need fiber and I don't want fiber. Fiber can, you know, actually cause harm. There are studies that suggest that it causes micro abrasions in your gut lining, increases mucus secretion, increases inflammatory response, and, and possibly is plays a role in autoimmune dysregulation um, and, and leaky gut and so forth. But also blocks nutrients. It physically is a physical barrier, stops things, you know, enzymes from getting to, to your food and breaking it down, stops your food from being able to get to the lumen of your intestine and, and being absorbed. So it actually, and this was, this was the argument back in the eighties of why you should eat fiber because it will help you lose weight because it'll actually mean you get less nutrition. That's that was the whole argument was that, that fibrous plants didn't have much nutrition. They weren't very nutritious. And so if you eat them, 
then you know you don't have then you won't get fat or you lose weight because you're 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 tricking your body into thinking it's full when you have all all this bulk but you're actually not getting any calories um and that was that was the entire argument you know so you eat something you eat it with a bunch of fiber and it you know blocks that from going into your body why would we have evolved to want to block nutrition most animals in the wild are desperately trying to stave off starvation Mm. You know, so if, if our natural diet was designed to reduce the amount of nutrition that we got in, mm. like we wouldn't be here. Like that, that's just a bad design. Evolution yeah. is, is very efficient. These things, these processes are extremely efficient. And you see this when you eat meat, you eat just meat you don't eat fiber. You'll absorb 98 to 99% of the meat that you eat very quickly and you'll have nearly no waste. So um, and it's actually, it's actually fat that drives your digestion. It's, um, you know, excess fat that your body can't absorb goes into your stool and keeps it soft. And it, mm-hmm. you know, water is repelled by, by oil, right? So it can sit in your colon until Christmas. It's still going to stay soft. It's already dry. It's not, it, it gets drier. Who cares? Your colon mm-hmm. is designed to pull water out of your feces. It's supposed to do that. You know, we're saying eat a bunch of fiber so this peristalsis and moves through your your gut lumen quickly, so that you can race against this process of uh, of dehydration. Why would you need to fight your own body's system like that? That doesn't make any sense. You know, if that organ is designed to do that, if that was causing harm, if that was a problem for us, you know, it wouldn't have that capability. Mm. And then you have to wonder. You know, people say oh, fat's bad for you and so forth. Um, but I think that that is, you know, is really just not, not sort of looking at things clearly because we have four organs that all work in concert just to absorb fat, just fat, right? Your liver makes bile, your gallbladder stores bile. You need bile to, to emulsify and absorb fat. You can almost absorb, you can absorb almost no fat unless you have bile, right? So liver makes bile, gallbladder stores it, secretes it when you eat fat. Your pancreas secretes enzymes that, that help break it down, and your and your small intestine absorbs it. So you have four four uh, organs working together just to absorb fat. So the only way that that plays in nature is if that's something that's extremely important to get, and it is that 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 is our our main nutrition source. Most animals in the wild get around 70 to 80% of their calories from saturated fat carnivores, because they eat animals with the fat and they go for the fat first, but also herbivores. People don't realize this, but there's a very, there's a big difference between uh, ingestion and digestion. So animals that eat fibrous plants, they can break down fiber, but it's actually their, their bacteria and their guts that break down the fiber because there's no, no vertebrate animal can break down fiber. And so they break that down. They eat that as fuel, and then they secrete as a as waste product short chain fatty acids, and that's actually what the animal absorbs. So it's ingesting plants that have you know barely any fat in it, if any at all. Mm. But in fact, what they're digesting and absorbing is almost all fat. So you know gorillas that just eat green leaves, they actually absorb about seventy percent of their calories from saturated fat. Mm-hmm. cows get around 80% because they're more efficient at it. And then they get a lot of proteins as well from the bacteria dying off and so forth. And mm-hmm. so really these, these animals are harvesting and farming bacteria 
And so they get these byproducts of fat from the bacteria. They also get protein from the, you know, the, the dead bodies of the bacteria and so forth. They are just feeding the bacteria, the fiber. We know that we're not herbivores. We know we're not supposed to be eating fiber because we cannot do this. We cannot break down fiber. You know, you can, you can, I, I can, I did a whole video about, you know, the, our digestion and so forth and why this says that we're carnivores, mm. but it comes down to just sim simple functionality. We cannot break down fiber. All herbivorous uh, animals that eat fibrous plants can break down fiber. All of the great apes that eat fibrous plants can break down fiber. We cannot. Okay. We had, we used to be able to, and that's what our appendix is. You know, appendix is about that big. It's you know a vestigial organ, vestigial meaning that millions of years ago, it used to do something. Now it does nothing, right? Well, millions of years ago, it was a four foot long cecum. And that's mm. where fiber would pack into and break down into these short chain fatty acids. Mm. And that's where we get these uh, nutrients from. Primates are hind gut digesters. The, um, the uh, uh, herbivorous ones are hind gut digesters. And so the, the fiber packs in to their long cecum and that's where you know, that fiber breaks down. That's where they, they get their energy from. We don't have that ability anymore. We don't have that organ anymore. That's because we haven't eaten fibrous plants in millions upon millions upon millions of years. Mm -hmm. So we, that is just one of the many pieces of the puzzle to show that we're carnivores, but there's also just tons and tons of, of evidence from the fossil record and so forth showing conclusively that our ancestors were carnivores full carnivores, didn't eat anything else, top of the food chain, apex predators. We all hear these, these terms, grew up knowing them. Humans were apex predators. Humans are top of the food chain. And yet we somehow then think that apex predators are supposed to graze and eat salad. What apex predator eats any vegetation at all, really? You know, I mean, maybe some, they had some upset stomach. Some people think that, you know, sometimes, you know, animals will eat a bit of grasses and that helps with parasites. They don't really know, but they're not getting the stuff for nutrition. Their nutrition source is from meat. We hear that. And then we forget it immediately when we're told that, oh, we're, we're supposed to be vegan. Apex predators are not vegan, you yeah. know, and you can't even get basic nutrition from the plant and fungus kingdom. They just, you, there are, there are dozens of missing nutrients that you cannot get, that you have to supplement with. Yeah. And so if you have to supplement then by definition, your diet is deficient, right? You should not have to do that. Nature is natural. Koalas get everything they need from eucalyptus mm -hmm. Pandas get everything they need uh, from bamboo, mm -hmm. you know, dolphins get everything they need from fish and we get everything we need from meat. And that's just, that's just how that works. So what you're saying is naturally humans are evolved to eat carnivore type food. So meats, mm -hmm. no vegetables, no fruits. What about cheeses? What about butter? Can we have things like that? Yeah, those are, those are fine. Um, okay. you know, because they butters come are, from butters are great. Yeah. You have to be careful with that because, you know, there are certain things that come from animals that, that still aren't optimal, you know, like yeah. honey comes from animals, but it's not of animals. It's really just concentrated nectar from plants, right? And it's sugar and sugars, you know, sugar is very toxic. It's very bad for you in the long term. Uh, and it's addictive, right? And, and it really is bee vomit. It's not actually part of the bee. You know, I, I eat cows, but I don't, I'm not going to eat cow vomit. And I don't think that would be particularly good for me either. Lactose in milk can raise your insulin to the point that it shuts down your bio, um, you know, biochemistry and metabolism in the ways that I've suggested. Mm. Um, so I avoid that. Uh, I don't eat much cheeses. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's got some nutrients. It's got a lot of nutrients and some proteins and some fats and things like that that are, that are very good, but it's not a complete set of nutrition. Like you wouldn't be able to just subsist on cheese, but I'll melt it onto meat sometimes, but meat is the meal. Meat has everything that you need. Fatty meat. Um, again, I try to get around 70 to 80% of my calories, uh, from saturated fat. And so I'll actually use butter. I'll melt that into my steak. If I think it's too lean, it makes it taste amazing, which is, it's just a clue that this is something your body is excited for. Mm. Uh, that's what I've noticed as well is that the, the better a steak tastes, the more hungry I am that your body telling you that it really wants those nutrients and you can tell how much to eat by, by hunger. And you eat to the point that it just stops tasting very good. And you know, at first the meal is just amazing. It's the best thing you've ever eaten because you're hungry and your and your brain wants that those nutrients. And then you get to the point where you just go, oh, you know, I'm really not enjoying this. And then that's that's your brain saying, like, you know, we're good, just stop here. It's natural portion control, which again, nature is natural. It just happens on its own. Like you don't, you know, there's, there's I, I've never seen a kangaroo with a calculator trying to figure out its macros. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So, you know, we shouldn't be doing, doing that either. We should be able, you know, if we're eating our natural evolved diet, we should be able to have, we should be able to listen to our, our instincts and just eat when it tastes good and stop when it doesn't. But grass fed versus grain fed, is there anything about that? And even with butter, is there um, anything around the quality of butter that you choose? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so grass fed and finished cows are definitely healthier. You know, when you're giving giving cows grains, it does the same thing that it does to us. It increases their blood sugar, which is highly toxic. You know, this is you know this is what kills diabetics is just the high blood sugar over years, and there's reasons for that. And this is you know that causes heart disease and so forth. Um, but when your blood sugar goes up, your body tries to protect you because this is this is dangerous. This is harmful, and so that's why you raise your insulin up. Because your body just goes, sweet Jesus, what is this idiot done? And just tries to hazmat control, just like tamp it down. And so it jacks your insulin up. And this is forces energy into cells. And as I said, it doesn't allow it to come out of the cells. So it's putting all this depositing fat and, and energy all over your body, including your muscles. So you get intramuscular fat. This is where marbling comes from. This is why they give uh, grains to cows because they want to fatten them up. And they get that marbling, that intramuscular fat, which you know tastes nice. Uh, but it's not very uh, healthy for the cow and mm. it's changing the, the nutritional composition of the cow to an extent. It doesn't, it's still not going to make it less good for you than any plant at all. It's still, you know, I think of it as like the, you know, the gold medal and silver medal at the Olympics, you know, silver lost to gold, but silver also beat everyone else on earth. And so that's how I think of, you know, grain fed versus a grass finished cow, because you know, even a grain fed cow, grain finished cow um, 80% of its life has been on grass, but it's just that last sort of few months has been in the feedlots. So yes, the, the grass fed and finished hundred percent cows will be better for you if you just, you know, you know, but they can be expensive. They can be hard to get. And so, you know, I just, you know, steaks from Costco. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I feel great with that. You know, I've sourced grass fed and finished cows in America and just bought the whole cow. And that was a lot easier to do that. You know, had thick yellow fat, that's, that's how, you know, it's actually grass fed. If it has yellow fat, if it's white fat, they're lying to you. And it, and it, was, it was amazing. It, was, it tasted so much better. I felt so much better. I felt like I was just supercharged with energy the whole time. So there is a difference, but 
grain-fed beef was better than literally anything else, even, even including other meats that I that I've ever eaten. So, you know, if if you can't get, you know, the the gold medal, like silver is fine. And what about if you want to uh, go to the gym, bodybuilders, performance-wise? Is a carnivore diet suitable for that? Because a lot of bodybuilders, they use carbohydrates, they use um, mm. glucose for energy pre and post workout. Yeah, I think I think it's actually much more beneficial to be on a carnivore diet, you know, particularly for high performance athletes and bodybuilders. So, you know, I was I was a professional athlete for you know five years until I sort of slipped off of it, and I can tell you it's night and day now that I'm back on it. I'm training better, harder, and getting better results. Then when I was 25 and had slightly slipped off of this, okay, mm. um, makes a huge difference. You know, like I was saying with the cows, we give grains and glucose to cows to fatten them up. And this puts intramuscular fat. So you get that marbling and that intramuscular fat in cows, you're getting that as a bodybuilder as well. And so mm. your muscles may look more swollen. They may look bulkier, but they're actually just fatty. And mm. so they're not as healthy. They're not going to be as strong. It's not lean muscle mass. And so bodybuilders will go in this bulking phase where they eat a bunch of carbs and they'll stop eating all these carbs and they'll swim down. They'll lose, they'll lose you know, tens of kilos, mm. you know, depending on how, how big they are. I've, I've known people, bodybuilders, they could lose 80 pounds in their, in their cutting phase. That's all fat. You know, that's all intramuscular fat and they, and they shrink down, but, oh, but you got to bulk up, bulk up, bulk up. And then you'll shrink down. That's your lean muscle mass. Uh, Well, if you're only eating meat that whole time, then the only thing that you're, you're producing is lean muscle mass. And they said, well, we need to eat carbs. You need to eat carbs to burn carbs. Wrong. Absolutely not. When you're in a carnivorous uh, metabolic state, you create all of the carbs and glycogen and ketones that you need. Right. And in fact, you can never run out. Whereas if you're eating carbohydrates, you will run out and you have to keep refeeding, refeeding, refeeding yeah. with carbohydrates in order to keep your energy levels up. Whereas me, I never run out of energy because my body can access my fat stores. So I have an unlimited supply of right. energy to an extent. I mean, like you know, if you're emaciated and you, you can starve to death, but you know, a normal person with normal body fat composition, or even low body fat com- composition, I you know, I've whether I work out or not, my body fat level is is less than ten. It's usually between you know five and ten, usually closer to five, and that's just where my body wants me to be. Um, you're not going to run. I, I I could run a super marathon and not eat anything. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna die. Like I, I still have enough fat to, to run that your fat stores carry huge stores of energy. Mm. And so I can constantly replenish my blood sugar, constantly replenish my glycogen and ketones and so forth. So I can work out longer, harder, and, and I get more from it. And I'm only putting on lean muscle mass. When I go to the gym now, you know, when I'm, I'm much older, I'm not playing professional sports. I barely have time to go to the gym. I haven't really been, I've been to the gym twice in two months. So no, sorry, three months now. Yeah. Jesus, I need to go to the gym. <laughs> Maybe four months. It's been. It was early December yeah. when I got back uh, from America, and that was when I stopped lifting. So you haven't trained in the last four months. So would you say like a mm. carnivore diet is more of an anabolic type protocol for your body to maintain its muscle mass so that you're not losing, like you're not atrophying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and so the thing is, it you'll maintain your physique much easier. So I'm not as bulky as I was then, you know, I was probably around 
I don't know, probably, you know, 10 kilos heavier than I am now, pure muscle, same, same body fat percentage. Mm. And I just haven't been working out. I haven't been eating as much. So my body can't maintain that muscle mass, but I'm still very muscular and I'm still very lean. And so I look like I work out all the time. I look like I work out twice a day because Mm. if I was eating carbohydrates and eating a normal crappy diet, I would, I would have had to do that and had dietary modifications in order to, to sort of look the way I do. Uh, Mm -hmm. That certainly was my experience when I was, when I was playing rugby and playing uh, professional sports and so forth, you know, I couldn't get, you know, just lean hard and, and ripped even when I was working out a lot, unless I, you know, was, was eating a certain way as well. When I would sort of go in the off season and so forth, and I just sort of eat whatever, you know, I bulk up really quickly, but I'd put on fat as well. And then that would sort of go away. And that again, is this sort of intramuscular fat and and glycogen and so forth that carries water weight along with it. Whereas if you're only eating meat, you're only putting on lean muscle mass, that's not going to go away. Mm. Um, you know, just because you, you know, you start, you know, cutting or whatever, you're just going to be lean, strong, and muscular the whole time. When I do work out, when I get a chance to work out, which has unfortunately only been twice in the last four months now. So I, yeah, no, I have to go to the gym today. That's (laughs) that's my, my today resolution. Um, And I eat enough, you know, because when I, when I work out a lot, it, it just naturally increases my, uh, my appetite and, and how much energy my body wants and how much food my body wants. I'll sometimes double the amount of food that I eat in a day. And when I do that and I give my body what it wants, I can put on, you know, a kilo of muscle a, a, every time I work out, not really working out a lot because of uh, the COVID lockdowns, um, you know, all the gyms were closed. I, I was just really itching to get into the gym. And before that, I'd only been going to the gym once or twice a month just because I was so busy. But now I was like, I wasn't allowed to go to the gym and that really pissed me off. And so I'm like, all right, as soon as this stuff opens, like I'm back in there, back in my old professional, uh, you know, lifting, you know, schedule. And, and I'm just, uh, you know, come hell or high water, I'm, I'm working out at least I'm lifting weights at least four days a week, if, if not more. Mm. And so I did, and I hit that for, for the first sort of four or five weeks, mm. just lifted for like an hour or two. I wasn't doing like my big crazy workouts that I would normally do uh, when I had time. Um, and even with that, you know, I was, I think I was like 90, 92, 93 kilos at the end of COVID in sort of four or five weeks, call it five weeks, I was 105 kilos, just lean muscle, no, no excess fat or anything like that. Uh, and then, you know, after that got up to like 110 kilos and that was sort of as much as I could work out and, and maintain while I was, while I was working was about 110. And, you know, since I haven't, I've stopped sort of lifting weights as much and, and eating as much, I've sort of dropped down to sort of like, you know, between hundred and 105 uh, and so, but when I, when I get back and working out, like I just stack it up, stack it up, stack it up. So when someone who is a high performance athlete or a bodybuilder or so forth, and they actually do have the time to dedicate to this, and especially if this is their profession and their livelihood, I absolutely highly recommend this because 
they're going to get the most out of their body. They're not going to get sore. They're not going to run out of energy. They're not going to get uh, you know, tired. They're just going to be able to go, 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 go. They're going mm. to be able to push themselves further than they've ever pushed themselves before. They're going to recover better than they've ever recovered before. They're not going to get sore. And so you get much more, you can do much more in a workout. You get much more out of whatever you do. And you're just stacking on lean muscle mass as opposed to just bulking up with, you know, uh, you know, unusable shitty fat that is not helping you. And, you know, it may look like your muscles are bigger, but they're not, they're just, they're just like, you know, Wagyu steak. They're just, they're, they're not what you want. And, and that's not going to be there for you on competition day anyway, you know, because you're going to cut all that, that crap off. Maybe, you know, the day before or something like that, you eat some carbohydrates just to, just to bulk up, the the glycogen and and so forth in your muscles and retain some extra water to plump them up right before i you know i've heard that uh, you know as a as a useful technique fine but that shouldn't be your entire your know, training uh, regime because you're not going to be um you know benefiting yourself as much as if you were just on a carnivore diet what do you eat in a typical day and does it include fasting i know it does but does it include fasting and how do you eat out at restaurants? Like if you go out with like your friends or family or your loved ones, like how does that work for a carnivore diet? Any re restaurant besides like a vegan restaurant is going to have some meat on the menu. So you just, you just look at what's on there and it has meat alone, like the steak or the fish or the lamb or the whatever, mm -hmm. there's always going to be meat. And you just say, Hey, I just want that. I don't want the sides. I don't want any, you know, sauces or seasonings and just, you know, just give me the steak. That's okay. easy, you know, or, yeah. you know, you go to a restaurant that has steaks or something like that, or they have eggs and bacon or whatever. So, um, it, it's, it's a bit weird at first when you're doing it, you feel, kind of feel self-conscious and, but, you know, pretty soon you just really stop caring because you realize that no one else cares either. And so yeah. you know, what are you worried about? You know, people get to eat whatever they want to eat. That's their choice. You know, you have a lot of people going out with their vegetarians or vegans and they're at, you know, gluten-free and all these sorts of things. You know, restaurants know how to deal with, with picky eaters and, and people, you know, understand that, you know, people choose to eat the way they eat and, you know, by and large, they're not going to really care all that much. It might be interested because it's very new and it goes against, you know, what, what people heretofore thought was healthy. But if you sort of know what you're talking about, you can, you know, describe it like the way I do, or you can just say, yeah, you know, this is just something I'm trying and you know, we're just going to see how it goes. Most people will just drop it at that. They just don't care enough. Yeah. And in a normal day for me, I don't, I don't intentionally fast. It's not that I'm, I'm, you know, res uh, res you know, restricting myself from eating when I'm hungry, when I'm hungry, I eat meat. Um, I'll eat the same thing, no matter what. I generally don't feel hungry in the mornings. If I eat a big meal of fatty meat at night, I generally you know, am not hungry when I wake up in the morning. I just get up and I and I get ready and I you know go to work and I do my thing. If I'm I have time to work out, I, I'm going to the gym. I go to the gym, and then after that, you know, I'll have like you know a big steak and eat as much as I uh, you know can handle because you know I try to cook more meat than I think I'm going to want just to make sure that I I get as much as my body wants. And, and, and then I'll leave it and I'll leave it for leftovers for the next day. They're fine. And, you know, meat doesn't really go bad the way people suggest it does. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's generally what I do. And so I, I don't, you know, deprive myself of, of food for the sake of fasting, because if you're in the metabolic state, the carnivore metabolic state, 
which is the so-called fasting state. I argue that that's our primary metabolic state. You're, and you're always going to be in that state. So the benefits of fasting are twofold. One, you're not, you know, if you're on a Western diet or eating carbohydrates, you're just giving yourself a break from eating things that are bad for you. That's, that's one, but primarily it's getting away from carbohydrates and you just wait out the clock on the insulin. Then your body gets into this, your primary metabolic state. And that's where all of your heavy machinery comes to bear biochemically is where your body starts just working and, and really humming as a, as a system. So that's the benefit is, is really just getting, getting your insulin down and letting your body and your metabolism actually work properly. And when you're on a carnivore diet, you're always doing that. And so all the benefits, all, all the, the studies and so forth that show a benefit to fasting, they're always compared to, you know, a, a Western diet, you know, they're not looking at it in, in the context of a carnivore diet. So I haven't actually seen any evidence that sh would suggest that, that fasting confers a benefit if you're already eating a carnivore diet and you're already in that so-called fasting state. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I often eat once a day, you know, and, and some people consider that like intermittent fasting, but I'm not, I'm not doing it too intermittently fast. I'm just doing it because that's how often I'm hungry. When I'm hungry, I'll eat meat. And that tends to be less because I'm eating high density nutrition that, that lasts longer and keeps me satisfied longer. Um, and if I'm working out more, I'll just be hungry more. Or if I'm eating leaner meat, I'll definitely be hungry more because I'm getting, you know, third less calories, mm. um, you know, for a comparable, you know, portion of uh, lean meat versus 50, 50 fat to meat. I always ask my guests this question. If there was one wellness tip that you could tell people if who's just starting out their journey, what is something that you would tell them? What's the most effective wellness tip? Well, I mean, in the context of, of, of this, it would be, uh, of a carnivore diet, it's not just to eat more meat. It's, it's specifically not to eat all the other things. And that's, that's where people get it. They'll, they'll start eating more meat, which is great for you. Uh, it's obviously going to conf, you know, give you a benefit because this is, this is your body's, you know, preferred optimal nutrition, but all these other things actually detract from your health quite significantly in, in, in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And so the trick is not to eat all the other things. So my, my hard rule is, you know, no plants, no sugar, nothing artificial. And that goes for sauces, seasonings, and drinks as well. And, and artificial sweeteners as well, things like stevia and, and so forth can actually cause a, a, a rise in your insulin mm. as well, just like sweets can. So it can, it can derail your metabolism there as well. So the biggest thing I can, you know, suggest to people starting this out is, is, you know, to really make it a point to not eat all the other things and really just eat meat and water and definitely get enough fat. It's very important. And what about eggs? Can, can people have eggs or do you just sure. prefer meat? And so meat, eggs, water, seafood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anything that moves in head of face. Yeah. That's fine. Easy. Yeah. And um, yeah, some, some people that have autoimmune issues, uh, they're going to be more sensitive, especially when they still have leaky gut and they're still healing from that. And so they quite often will have problems with egg whites in particular, but they can also have problems with even like chicken and pork yeah. and, and dairy, certainly dairy, um, can cause problems in, in auto in, in people that are quite sick with autoimmune issues with leaky gut and so forth. So for those people, you know, doing the, the straight up 
you know, uh, Dr. Salisbury method of just pure red meat and water. Beef is is usually the best. And how can people find you? Uh, so so I'm I'm quite active on on social media like Instagram, which is just my name, Anthony Chafee MD. And I also have a YouTube channel by the same name, Anthony Chafee MD. I post a lot of uh, videos and content there, and also have a uh, podcast on Spotify. And, and as soon as I can get it up and running on Apple and Google, that will will be going there. But that's just the plant free MD podcast. And, uh, I generally have sort of both things on my YouTube channel and then on the audio version on my podcast. And so for people that just want to want to listen to that, they can, they can do that, but yeah, mainly YouTube and, uh, and, uh, Spotify. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.